0: Amen. So we've been uh, traveling with Elijah on this series of Meet Me on the Mountain. And uh, tonight, we're going to be looking at the prayer that brings answers. The prayer that brings answers. uh, When we go back to week one, we see Ahab. He was uh, married to his infamous wife, Jezebel. And so they introduce or he came under her, her form of uh, Baal worship. He came under her form of worshiping uh, Baal gods, her idolatry. He was a terrible king. He he did what was right only in his eyes, but certainly not in God's eyes, and in uh, 1 Kings 16, uh, 31 and 32, he says that he served Baal and worshipped him, and he, he erected an altar for Baal in the house of Baal and built in samaria so this king was certainly not one who was favorable in god's sight um, and he was one of the most evil ones that had reigned at that time but elijah comes and he gives him the message and he says that it's not going to rain upon the earth until he would speak a word but where was this elijah where did he come from all of a sudden that he appears with such a message and um uh, sure enough it it didn't rain but right after god had uh had him speak this word to ahab god quickly carries him off for tells him to go to cherish and there um, Ahab is fully reliant on God to feed him, feed him from none other than the ravens. The ravens were an animal at that time or a bird at that time that they were prohibited to eat or eat take from and so here is elijah being fed it had to be a god thing fed by an animal that according to the law was uh unclean and therefrom, cherish as he's fully depended on god for his daily sustenance uh the brook runs dry and god moves him to a woman and there that woman is commanded to feed him and and in elijah as we know uh was bold enough to say to her feed me first feed me first you're you're about to prepare the last meal but i want it to be for me and um at, in her obedience <laughs> To to Elijah's request, the food, the oil, and the flour never ran dry for many days. But then uh, a a catastrophe hit, if you want to call it that. But um, sorrow hit the house as her son passes away. You know, one thing that caught my eye when I was reviewing was this. It said that the oil and the flour never ran dry for many days. and, And her household... Her, they ate. He, she and her household ate. And I thought to myself, her household. So we only know of Elijah, her and her son. But it's quite possible that there were some others. It's possible. We only know of the, the, her and her son. But, because she says me and my son are going to eat. But who's the household? What? It, and it struck me. And I says, Lord, what, were there others? It's possible. Again, we only have mentioned. And so we'll leave it there. But... Elijah then again depends upon God to demonstrate his power. And he prays for this, this child that has died. And God raises that child from the dead. And so we've tracked with Elijah in this incubator of developing faith. And I just want to cast a seed in your thoughts. Has your faith been developing as we're traveling along with Elijah? Has your faith been growing that God can meet your every need just as he met the needs of Elijah. He met the spiritual needs of Elijah because while he was at Cherish, he was there all alone. Just he and God. How many times have you been alone and sometimes we crave to be alone. But speak to a person who is alone all the time and they will crave for fellowship. They will crave for, for, uh, you know, companionship. And so there were, perhaps they, they may feel too, too vulnerable in, with their thoughts always being alone. But here he was f- taken care of spiritually. He was taken care of emotionally, physically, in every, in every area of his life, the Spirit of God was ministering to him. Have you been tracking with that? Have you tracked with him when he went to the widow's house? And though she had nothing, she gave of her nothing. And it became enough of a supply to sustain her and Him throughout the days of the drought. Do you know that even in what seems like nothing to you, when you pour into another life, even a simple hello, even a simple prayer, that it can sustain that person through many days? of their dryness. And then they faced a doubt. Have you continued to track that even in the area of sickness and death and in that area of ambiguity, God, where were you in this picture? You brought him here just for my son to die. You sustained us. It would have been better had I died if we didn't have a meal than to now eat and lose my son. Have you tracked with Elijah that you can trust God even in the those places when he moves in a way that doesn't seem to make human sense to us. But it's because he wants to demonstrate, when you fully rely and trust on me, my power will be sufficient for your every need. And so here we are today. We left off last week with uh, Ahab approaching Elijah and saying to him, You troubler of Israel, you troubler of Israel. And that's where we're going to pick up. We're going to be looking at verses 18 through 46. I won't read them because then I'll lose time that we could use to go. So we will read the verses as we go, okay? So Ahab sees Elijah in verse 17 and he says it, Is that you, you troubler of Israel? And Elijah says to him, now, Elijah's about to expose Ahab in the very area that maybe Ahab wasn't expecting. He's calling Elijah a troubler, but Elijah says to him this, have... um, And he answered, have not troubled Israel, but you have in your father's house because you have abandoned the commandments of the Lord and followed Baal. I have not troubled Israel, but you have. And this is where we continue. When Ahab sees him, he calls him a troubler. But Elijah, a commoner, says to a king... Says to a king. That's pretty bold. Says to a king. I'm not the trouble you are. I'm not the trouble you are. Because what you brought into these people. Was an, a worship of idols. You are the, the the trouble here. Imagine such boldness. I have not troubled Israel. He didn't spare his words. He went to the root of the problem. Ahab you're the problem. Ahab, you're the troubler. And this is how you have troubled them. You have introduced them to idol worship. You have gone against the commandments of God, Ahab. You're the trouble. Did not Jesus say in Matthew ten thirty four, Do not think that I have come to bring peace to the earth. I have come to bring peace. I have not come to bring peace, but a sword. So if we were to look at Elijah and see Elijah as a troubler, if we were to look at him through the eyes of Ahab as a troubler of Israel, then Jesus was first a troubler because Jesus said, I've come to bring the sword. I've come to bring correction. And so here Jesus was truly a a troubler for all those who would not obey. So God uses Elijah to go right to the root of the issue. The sin of the matter is this. You've been given to idolatry. And you've brought the people into idolatry. So now, Elijah could have met up with uh, Ahab, and when he says, oh, is that you, you troubler of Israel? Yeah, 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 it's me, it's me. Um, I just wanted to say that, you know, now that the, um, it's been three years that this drought has been going on, and consequently, because of the drought, we've faced a famine. But uh, I'm believing the time is up, and so now I'm, I'm going to call upon God to demonstrate his power. But Elijah doesn't do that. Elijah gets to the root of it. And that is exactly what the Lord does with us. When there is a root in our life that is troubling us from going forward in what he wants to do in our lives. When there are circumstances of areas in our life that are not in alignment with his word, his ordinances for us. He's going to bring them to light for us. Why? Because Revelations 3.19. Those whom I love, I reprove and discipline so be zealous and repent you know sometimes you might be driving along or you might be going on during your day and all of a sudden you have this uh, thought about a certain situation or maybe you have a thought about a family member and you're just annoyed and then you get yourself all razzled up about that issue and and, and then lord checks you and you're like oh forgive me lord Right. Some people don't pause in that moment and go, oh, forgive me, Lord. Some people in that moment, they just keep on going. They go in the fuel of the enemy. And when he said that, and when she did this, and I'm going to tell them a thing or two, and, and, and it ruins the whole day. But the Lord disciplines those he loves. And so if all of a sudden you're going about and you're getting upset about something, and the Lord checks you, Pause reexamine your thoughts where are you going with that what are you doing with that what are you premeditating instead of elijah uh, saying yeah 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 okay here's here's what we're going to do elijah goes to the root of the matter so elijah proposes to ahab listen i want you to call all the prophets forward the prophets of baal 450 of them the prophets of asherah 400 of them Call them, we're going to have a meeting at the top of Mount Caramel. We're going to have a meeting. And so what did Ahab do? I could just hear the thoughts of Ahab. Oh, Elijah wants to meet with us. That means the rain's going to come. Because he said it's not going to rain until he speaks. So and if he's going to have a meeting, he must be going to speak to all of us about this rain. And so, of course, Ahab's going to be in agreement. Because what, what king would give in to a commoner? What king would give in to the instruction of a commoner to go and rally the people? Call all your prophets. But Ahab sent to all the people of Israel and he gathered the prophets, verse 20, together at Mount Carmel. So he presumed, perhaps, that the meeting was going to be about the rain, about the announcement of the rain. But you know what? Elijah didn't give an agenda meeting an agenda for the meeting. Elijah didn't give what was the purpose of the meeting. He just gave the instruction, the order, call forth your men. So we're going to see three truths play out tonight. Three truths. So if you want to write it down, go ahead, write it down. If you don't, that's okay. Three truths that follow this address that Elijah is making to the people. And the first one is this. The fruit of a divided heart will always be idolatry it will eventually catch up with us it will steal the power of god's wishes to deposit and release in our life the fruit of a divided heart if your heart is vacillating on something the fruit of that is going to be idolatry you're always going to give into another area and it will eventually catch up it's going to interrupt god's plan Of what he wants to do in your life so how do we see this so the first matter at hand is we have to confront the sin of idolatry verse 21 how long will you go on limping between two different opinions if the Lord is God follow him if Baal then follow him when Elijah meets with them he immediately goes for the throat How long are you going to vacillate? How long are you going to teeter-totter between two opinions? Oh, the Lord, he is God. Oh, Baal, he's been our provider. How long are you going to live there? No doubt a pin could be heard dropping. And how do I know that? Because verse 21, the latter part, says this. And the people did not answer him a word. This man approaches them. Consider somebody coming up to you. How long are you going to dwell on that? How long are you going to be distracted by that? Either believe God's going to take care of it, either are trusting God with it, or you're trusting in yourself. How long are you going to do that? A pin could be heard dropping. Is there an area of your life tonight that perhaps... The Lord would be speaking to you about that you haven't yet fully surrendered to him. Or we walk around, oh, I'm walking in obedience to God. But are we walking in obedience to God? Are we walking in obedience to God? Some of us, well, God, if you would, then I will. And that's our measure of obedience. And God's saying, do, do. I will, you, you do, I will. Not if I do, then you will. You do, and I will. You walk in obedience. How many secret areas of your life? Because come on, we all have secret areas that are not yet fully surrendered. How many? Elijah makes this, the, the declaration, if the Lord is Lord, or if Baal is Baal, right to the choker, which one is it gonna be? So, why, this me- why did this meeting have to take place on Mount Caramel? What's the big deal of Mount Caramel? Why would, why would any of this have to play out in Mount Caramel? It's 1,700 and what, 42 feet up, something like that, above the sea level. But here's the thing, the Canaanites believed that it was a special dwelling place of God's of the gods. Why? Because it was a place where mo- everything flourished the most. The soil was the best there. Why? Because the dew was always been, uh, w- uh, been the source of water. There was also, because of the Mediterranean Sea, there was also the back flow of, of the mist that was in the air. So uh, the, the, the foliage there, everything grew better on Mount Carmel. So the soil was rich in its nutrients and everything produced, all crops produced abundantly there. So if Baal was the god of the rain, if, ba- if Baal was recognized as this god that would be that provider and all this, this fullness and fertility came forth from uh, the foliage on, uh, or the crops on Mount Carmel, then all the more reason for them to think that Baal was behind that, that production of crops when you and I know who truly is the one who blesses, right? So a meeting on Mount Caramel could only mean to them or could only translate to them, rain's on its way. Rain is on its way. And so they would go there to this meeting with great anticipation. But before the rain, there has to be a fire. Before the rain, there has to be a fire. God had a masterful plan in store, and he was about to unfold and demonstrate who he was. In order for Baal to be dismantled, God was going to demonstrate to the people that he alone was God. That he alone was God. So that brings us to our second truth. Seeking God. To reveal his will and power to us is a priority in our walk. We have to seek God so that we could to reveal his will and power to us. Oh, let me read that all over again. Seeking God to reveal his will and power to us is a priority in our walk. Seeing the results is amazing. Seeing the results is amazing because we're going to see the results. We have to seek God to know his will and to reveal his will, but it's a priority. You don't just do it as a one-off. You do it as a regular thing. Lord, what is your will? Lord, what is your, your desire concerning this matter? Lord, how should I address this? situation verse 22 to 24 then elijah said to the people i even i am left a prophet of the lord but baal's prophets are 450 men let two bulls be given to us and let them choose one bull for themselves and cut it into pieces and lay it on the wood but put no fire to it, and I will prepare the other bull and lay it on the wood and put no fire to it. And you call upon the name of your God, and I'll call upon the name of the Lord. And the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people answered, it's well spoken. And in other words, I like that idea, Elijah. Good, 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 good plan, Elijah. Everyone is for Elijah's proposition. Why? Because they have complete faith in their Baal. They have complete faith. After all, they're on his territory, Mount Carmel. This is where everything is perfect and, and all the abundance of the mist and, and so forth. Number two, they, were, they outnumbered him. There was 450 of them, if, the, if, if it was only the prophets of Baal that were there. If it was also the prophets of Asherah, then it could have been 850 to, well, I believe that they were both there. They, it was, they outnumbered Elijah, so they were on their God's territory, and there was more of them, and there was only one. Of Elijah, and so what did they do? The prophets entered the contest. They were in this with great enthusiasm. They had the confidence that they were going to win because they outnumbered Elijah, and because they they believed that their God Baal would come through. And so, what they spent night and day chanting, and calling upon their God, and doing their dances. And what happened? What happened as they called upon their God and did their dances. It says in, in uh, verses uh, 26. And they took the bowl that was given to them. And they prepared it and called upon the name of Baal from morning until noon. Saying, O Baal, answer us. But there was no voice and no one answered. And they limped around the altar that they had made. And at noon, Elijah mocked them saying, cry aloud for he is God. Either he's musing or he's relieving himself or he's on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and must be awakened. And they cried aloud and they cut themselves after their custom with swords and lances until the blood gushed out upon them. And as midday passed, they raved on until the time of offering of the obligation. But there was no voice. No one answered. No one paid attention. Yeah, because they weren't praying to God. They were praying to a God. They danced around. Hmm. They did their mantras, their chants, and nothing happened. They even cut themselves for that God. They even bled out. You know, we think that What some of the people do in our in our age today, when they are cutting themselves, is a brand new thing. It's not a brand new thing. We saw it in the New Testament with the man in the tomb in um, the man uh, in in the tombs where he would cut himself because he was consumed with a a spirit of schizophrenia. We see it here. They're they're cutting themselves. They're bleeding themselves out for their God. You know, when you see an individual that has that struggle, you could pray immediately within side of them because the enemy has given them to believe that's where they're gonna get their answer. If they could cause if they could cause themselves their pain there, they will be distracted by the pain that is here, the, the pain that is here. They will inflict pain upon themselves. Elijah takes full advantage that their Baal has not answered them. And he begins to mock them. Oh, maybe he's on the toilet. Oh, maybe, you know, he, he's, he's asleep. Oh, maybe... It, it, the, the lights are just being adjusted. That wasn't a God thing. <laughs> but he takes full advantage of this. And their God Baal did not answer them. He did not answer them. And Elijah's not doing this to enrage them. He's not mocking them to enrage them. He's trying to bring attention to the fact, look, you've been dancing. You've been chanting. And you've been doing all this stuff. And your God is not answering you. Your God is not answering you. And so what does Elijah do? He says to them, come near to me. And what does Jesus say to us? Come unto me, all you who are heavy laden and burdened, right? This is the true answer when we have need. They were in a great place of need. They were in a drought that caused them to be in a famine. Elijah says, come near to me and watch what he does. He's not caught up in the frenzy as they are. He's not, he's not caught up in the matter of, uh, as they were in, in worshiping their, their, um, their God. He's very diplomatic. He's very businesslike. He takes the approach. He says, okay, let's go. Come on over here. And, he, and he's about to rebuild and repair the altar of God. And, ha- and he takes just 12 simple stones. 12 simple stones just to represent the 12 tribes of Israel. And he, as he's building it, it says, verses 33 to 35, he said, Fill four jars with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time, and they did it a second time, and he said, do it a third time, and they did it a third time, and the water ran around the altar and filled the trench also with water. Elijah rebuilds the altar there. And then not in a matter of he he wants to make sure that they're understanding he's not using trickery here. He's going to saturate that altar that there's nothing in and of himself that could cause that altar to come aflame. There's nothing that he could have done. He has it saturated. His actions display that he has the confidence that his God will come through and cause this altar to be consumed. Perhaps he's saying to us, come here, I'm going to show you what it looks like to really walk this Christian walk when you trust God. When you're in over your head, you can trust God. When it looks like there's nothing else that can be done. When the doctors can do nothing else, you can trust God. When they, when it looks like God's just not going to break through in his answer. When when revival seems so far off and the fire of God just doesn't seem to be coming to the local assembly. Then you could... Tr- Elijah's saying, look, when there's water on the altar and it's totally soaked, I want to show you what it looks like when you fully trust and rely upon God. And so at the time of the evening sacrifice, Elijah calls out to God that he would show himself God, verse 36 to 38. And at that time of the offering of the... uh, obligation, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known this day that you are Our God in Israel, and that I am your servant, and that I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God, and that you have turned their hearts back. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering, and the wood, and the stones, and the dust, and licked up the water that was in the trench. How impressive is that! Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stones and the stones. Have you ever seen stones without a machine that could crush it into gravel? Have you ever seen stones turn to ash? What a marvelous work of God. All that Elijah did was answer me, O Lord, answer me that this people may know that, O Lord, you are God. He didn't spend his morning. Or his afternoon as they had calling out to his God. He called out to his God and the answer came immediately. It came in a spectacular demonstration as the fire of God hit that altar and consumed everything right to the very lick of water that was in the trench. A blinding fire. That wasn't just a little spark of fire. That was a blinding fire that came down. And I believe that that fire had a sound. Because if you hear a fire, a campfire, you can hear the, uh, it, when you initially, initially um, set the match to it. Let's say you've used some propane or some gas. It'll go. Now imagine God sending forth his fire onto that altar that Elijah had built to the point that it even caused the stones to be consumed into an ash. That would have sent forth a powerful sound. And what happened as a result? It gets our attention. Have you ever been a part of a July 1st fireworks? Fireworks? A Victoria Day fireworks, when all those fireworks get, get going off, we hear the bang and we hear the crackle. And wow, wow, we're all amazed by the bang. We're all amazed by, the, by the, the, how they light up the sky. After the fact, we could smell the burning of the ash. The people of God then began to answer and worship God. They began to say, he alone is God. All that Elijah did was say, answer me, O Lord, verse 37, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back they 're amazed by the big show of the fire coming down. They see that the fire has consumed everything. Not even a speck of water was left. Not even a stone was left. And all that Elijah did was call out and say, "Answer me, O God, Answer me, O God. Everything was burned up. The altar was totally consumed. And when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces, verse 39, and said, The Lord, he is God, the Lord, he is God. And Elijah said to them, Seize the prophets of Baal. Let not one of them escape. And they seized them, and Elijah brought them down to the brook of Kishon and slaughtered them there. Immediately after the fire hits, Everybody breaks out in a worship service and everybody's worshiping God for the great demonstration of his power. But Elijah says, quick, quick. We got to get these prophets of Baal out. We got to get the residue, the root of our problem out of the camp. We have to slaughter them. Like a, like a doctor when he finds a diseased tumor in his patient's body the first thing that doctor wants to do is remove the tumor from the body he's going to say to the patient we don't have time to waste the tumor is growing rapidly if we leave it there we don't know what else what other organs will be affected And so then the doctor will immediately take action and schedule a surgery. And Elijah acts like the great physician would act. And he says, quick, gather all the prophets of Baal together and they need to be slaughtered. We need to remember that when we see the fire of God demonstrated in the house of God, when we throw up our hands and we're worshiping him and we're glorifying him for the great demonstration of his revival, of fire, that there may be some tumors that need to be quickly removed. Therefore, there may be some that need to lay their pack of smokes on the altar. Therefore, there may be some that need to put their bottle at the altar. Therefore, there may be some that need to take their computer and donate it because they've been given to pornography for too long. Therefore, there may be some that may may need to to put their tongue on the altar because all they speak forth is God you see when the fire of god comes into the house of god we are not exempt there is areas of our life that need to be excised they need to be surgically removed just as elijah saw to it right away get the root of the problem out before we go the next step before we go into the next phase of this demonstration of your glory we got to get the garbage out of the house we got to put it to the curb we got to make sure that there's no room for any Baal god to come in and slither underneath the pews and manipulate and bite at the feet of the of god's people so elijah sees to it that they go down and every last one of them is killed God won a great battle that day and the glory was immediately returned to him. A praise and worship service broke out, but he wasn't finished. Truth number 3. Truth number 3 is that God's work often starts small, but it will grow into mighty displays of his power. Elijah didn't stop to just catch his breath. Oh God, thanks. That was that was great. God he didn't even sit back on his pew or on his chair and revel in, in all of God's mighty power or his display of fire. He, he went to the next step. He went to the next step and, 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 and he, he, he's able to do this. Why? Because he knows that there's something else on his way. You see, God led him after he said the word, God led him to Cherish. Cherish was a place where he had to completely, fully rely on God. And at some point in the journey between Cherish and here, Mount Carmel, God gave him a plan of action, but Elijah does not speak it, nor do we know at what point God downloaded into him all that he was going to do. But Elijah wasted no time. When he went on to the woman of Zarephath, he continued to trust God and God continued to display his power by providing he continued to display his power that even when the son was dead he resurrected him so God Elijah knew within his heart that the sound of the fire igniting the altar and God demonstrating his power was not the end but it was the beginning and it seemed like there was going to be something that was small that was going to appear but it was going to bring even greater results and so elijah then says to ahab ahab go have yourself something to eat you see we started out in in the first week With James chapter 5 verses 17 and 18 that said, Elijah was a man with nature like ours and he prayed fervently that it might not rain. And for three years and six months it did not rain on the earth. And then he prayed again and heaven gave rain and the earth bore its fruit. You see, sometimes in our life, what we tend to do is after we have that fire moment with God, after we have that glorious service where we see the fire of God demonstrated, we tend to just go home and, and take matters in our hands and, okay, God, you, I got this, God, I got this. And, and you know, I'll, I'll come to you. If there's something big, I'm going to come to you, God, but I I got this. We feel empowered by that. But Elijah did not stop that. He went with the verse of um, psalm 37 commit your way to the lord commit your way to the lord trust in him and he will act elijah was trusting that god was going to do something greater something greater was in store and so he he commits himself to prayer He commits himself to uh, practicing the presence of God. He commits himself to setting himself aside. He commits himself to making sure that, you know what? This is all for God's glory because that is how he prayed. That they may know that you alone are God. So that there would be no mistake, it's not me, Elijah. It's not anything that I have done. What has happened is because he alone is God. So his intentions were pure. And he was going to set aside time. That's what we can learn from Elijah. Manage your time. Take care of your time. Make sure that your motives and your intentions are pure. And practice the presence of the God in everything that you're doing. Practice the presence of God. The best way for Elijah to continue to see victory in this Was to trust God. And he says. Ahab go up. Eat and drink. Verse 41. For there is a sound. For there is a sound. Of rushing rain. For there is a sound. Of rushing rain. He heard the sound of fire. I'm sure of it. Because for the fire to consume the way that it did, there had to be a sound. But he heard greater beyond that sound. Ahab, go and eat. I don't have time to eat with you, Ahab. Another instruction. Ahab, call the prophets. Now, Ahab, go and eat. But you see, Elijah wasn't interested in going and eating himself. Elijah was interested. I don't have time to eat. I need to get into the prayer of the matter. I need to take this matter before the Lord. And so in his confidence, he knows that he heard. He knows that he heard that there was a sound of the abundance, as some translations will say, the sound of the abundance of rain. ESV says the rushing of rain, but the abundance of rain. And that's all that Elijah needed to know within his spirit. And so he goes to the place and he commits himself to prayer. And there is a servant there with him. And I love it when the Bible does not say the other person's name. Because then it allows us to know that we could be in that place. We could be in the place that will come alongside of a leader and pray along with them until the answer comes. And so the servant that is there with them, with Elijah, knows that Elijah has heard the sound. But the servant hasn't heard the sound. And the servant is commissioned, go and see. And the servant goes and sees. No, there's no rain. Go and see again. And, And go and see again. And go and see again. And six times this servant goes to see this servant is as committed to what Elijah is believing for God as Elijah is committed to praying for it. And so the servant goes, even the seventh time he comes back and he says, there is what appears to be the size of a small hand. And that's all Elijah needed to hear. The servant didn't say, I felt a sprinkle of rain. The servant didn't see, I say, I saw in the distance what looked like rain. The servant said, behold, a little cloud, verse 44, like a man's hand, is rising from the sea. And immediately the servant is told, go tell Ab- Ahab to gird up his chariot Gird up your chariot, Ahab. Hitch it up. Head back to the palace. Because soon this valley is going to be flooded. And you're not going to be able to pass through it. Get it ready, Ahab. There's a flood coming. You're not going to be able to pass through. So, Ahab, get your chariot ready. But funny thing is, Elijah takes his tunic and he... He girds up his tunic and he begins to run. And we see him outrun the chariot. Before Ahab could even get his chariot down the mountain, Elijah was already off and running. Already off and running. The abundance of rain came. Before the rain could come, there had to be a fire Before the rain could come, there has to be the fire. You know what? Sometimes you just have to reflect on your life. And as the Lord brings areas, Father God, I call forth your fire to that area in my life. Father God, I call forth your fire to that memory of pain in my life. Sometimes we just have to surrender To the fire of God in our own life before we're going to see the reign of God in the lives of our congregations across this world. If we're going to see the reign of God, we have to first know that the fire has to prepare us has to remove all the disease. You see, we want God's blessing, but we want man's approval first. It doesn't work that way. We want his protection in our hour of need, but we struggle to let go and trust. It doesn't work that way. We have to let go. We have to trust. We want his delivering power, but we hold on to the addiction. And we cradle it. When I'm ready, I'll let go. We want to say that God is the most important person in our life. Yet, we're easily swayed and drawn away by other allegiances, other friendships, other people. Where do we sit tonight? What are we learning from Elijah? What are we learning from Elijah? Elijah. Trusting God when you're all alone and you don't know where your meals are going to come from. And I'm not just talking about the food. Sometimes it's the meal of your thoughts because they're all over the place. When you're down to your last breath, your last hope, when everything seems to be run out and exhausted out, Are you like Elijah and saying, okay, take care of me first and and then the Lord's going to sustain all the other areas? What are you learning from Elijah? Are you humble enough tonight to say, Lord, if you be God, let your fire come down on the altar of my life, of my life, consume every part of my life that does not give glory to you areas that lord i'm not even aware of that is causing your reign to be held up in the heavens what are you learning from elijah tonight how can we pray more purposefully? The prayer that answers is the prayer that is first willing to go through the fire. To see the rain. To experience the rain. There was a sound. But the sound that Elijah pursued was the sound of the abundance of rain. But before it could be pursued, there had to be a demonstration of the fire. You see, I believe that the watching world is looking at us Christians. How real is your God? And some of us haven't encountered how real he is because we haven't put it all on the altar yet. And so they are not convinced of our God because we haven't laid it all out yet. So you could be watching online and you could be Just perusing through, and you just happen to stop. And maybe you need to surrender those addictions, those habits, those areas of your life where you have held the control rather than God holding the control. Or perhaps you're in house, and the Lord has been speaking to you about something, and it's only a confirmation that we look at Elijah. And the fire tonight. Because that's all you needed. To know that that area that God's been touching on. That area that God's been nudging you about. Is the area that he wants you to lay out on his altar. The rain came. The rain will come. We will see the abundance of rain. We will as Elijah. Outrun the chariots but let's first go through the fire. Father God, we thank you. We thank you for the demonstration that you show us through your word. That when you needed to prove to the prophets of Baal that you alone are God. It was nothing to you. It was a light matter in your hands. That altar was nothing for you. Saturated in water. It was nothing for you. And Lord, how many of us tonight have have areas of our life that have been saturated with tears perhaps areas of pain perhaps areas of struggle oh god and they've been sat. it's nothing for you for your fire to come and consume and demonstrate your power in us lord we want your reign We want to experience that revival. That the world will know that you alone are Lord. That the world will come to you. They will come to the knowledge of who you are. Because they have seen. Because they have seen the manifestation of your fire. And they have watched the flow of your rain. God be glorified tonight. In Jesus mighty name. We surrender everything to you. Every area of idolatry in our life, every area that had more authority than your voice, every area of addiction, every area of self sabotaging, every area in the mighty name of Jesus, we surrender it to you. And we ask, fire of God, come down and consume it by your mighty power. take your magnifying glass and just open our eyes to see little areas that maybe they've been buried for so long for so long that we've even forgotten that they've had authority in our lives and